The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global HQ, and here is your top five at five. A big bounce back for your money. Futures bear higher after tech stocks got hammered on Tuesday. We'll show you the stunning loss of market cap you got to hear to believe. And we're again in the green because of the yelling U-turn. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reversing her comments that rates may have to rise to keep the economy from overheating. It's not all about rates. Investors also on edge as China gets more aggressive over Taiwan, literally as more planes flying over that nation lately. A sad end of the road in Chicago as the trading pits of the CME look to close for good. And your morning RBI throws a big wrench into automakers' electric car plans with some new data on how many go back to gas. It is Wednesday, May 5th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Happy Hump Day as well. Let's get right to it. On a day after your money around interest rates and China fears, set stocks sinking in a big way. Big tech hit big time. The Nasdaq down nearly 2% on Tuesday, but it looks like right now we could have a slight rebound. Dow futures up 90. Nasdaq futures, they're the ones to watch, up 60 points right now. Now let's focus on what happened yesterday when nearly every big name tech stock sold off. And your stat of the day, one you'll only hear here on Worldwide Exchange, and it's ugly, is this. Look at these market cap losses. This is yesterday. Apple lost $78 billion in value. Amazon, nearly $38. Amazon, Microsoft, $30.5 billion. And Google, a relatively slight $25 billion market cap loss. The total, if you're doing the math right now, don't worry, we did it for you. The total combined market cap loss of the big four was $171 billion on Tuesday. That's bigger than Costco. It's about 50% bigger than the entire corporation of Starbucks. So what did well on Tuesday? Well, there were some names. Sort of the boring old materials companies popped. Names we never talk about, like Sealed Air, Martin Marietta, and Vulcan Materials. They live long and prospered. These are all infrastructure plays, by the way. Is it telling the market? Is telling us something about maybe the infrastructure deal that we don't know already? Well, we'll have to wait and find out, but... Certainly the infrastructure stocks acted like it. Well, inflation is a big story, and it's a bond story. Yields ticking down right now, yields at 1.6%. And as always, we have got to talk about the cryptos, because yesterday, even as stocks sold off, Dogecoin, the crypto that was begun literally as a joke, continued to power higher. Look at that. Dogecoin is up another 18% right now, to 66 cents. It was one half of one penny a couple of months ago. 
Wow. Bitcoin up one and a half percent. Ethereum down just a little bit. Litecoin higher. Dogecoin. It seems like those traders are just trying to single-handedly will, push, drive, poke, prod, whatever, that crypto to a dollar. It was less than a penny literally a couple of weeks ago. All right, let's go now overseas and take a look at the early trade in Europe. Not a huge trend here. We are seeing a bit of a bounce back, though. Germany up 1.3%, France up as well. In fact, they've gained a little steam, and uh, the UK up over 1%. Now let's stay overseas and the developing story and concern around China and Taiwan. Beijing taking steps to increase its military pressure on Taiwan, carrying out now regular amphibious assault exercises and military and spy flights over the nation. Those provocations ignoring the de facto median line through the Taiwan Strait. There are growing concerns that China could carry out a calculated, limited military engagement in the strait or take direct action toward one of the Taiwan-controlled islands in the South China Sea. Now, through all this, Chinese state media on Monday slamming a meeting late last week between top U.S. and Taiwanese diplomats based in France. It is a growing geopolitical concern to watch maybe the greatest geopolitical threat in the country and the world right now. Well, if that was not enough, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen having to do a little damage control on her rate comments yesterday and a bit of a U-turn. Yellen saying now she is neither predicting nor recommending the Fed raise rates. This after suggesting earlier in the day they might be needed to raise to go up to keep the economy from overheating. The market, of course, listens to the former Fed chair and current Treasury head. Let's bring in Potomac Wealth Advisors, President Mark Avalo. Mark, good to have you on. You had the, the China-Taiwan story in the morning sent futures down. You had the Yellen comments, then, of course, the U-turn. What do you ascribe to the big sell-off in tech? Is it China? Is it rates? Is it inflation? Is it D, all the above? Well, I think it's a lot of factors. I'm not sure China directly impacted that FANG sell-off, but certainly Yellen's comments did, valuations did, and the attractiveness of this reopen trade, the infrastructure trade, and a rotation into value. Remember, these, these FANG names, these tech names are so big that when there is a sell-off, there's a huge amount of money that has to go somewhere, the sheer size. And you, you talk often about how dominant these top five or six names are. When there's a sell-off of that magnitude of stocks of this size, it can, it can buy a lot of mid-cap value and traditional value names and things that the market is rotating into. So I think that's what you saw yesterday. And yes, the infrastructure bill is going to happen. Just not sure what the size of it is. But when we get something like that, these material stocks, which are already booming and the demand in the construction side of our yeah. economy so strong, you're going to have an exponential move into those sort of names. That, that's right. And let's not forget that when stocks sell, that means people are raising money. They sell something they probably made a lot of money in, which means they've got cash. They can either buy something else or put the cash literally you know, in their sock drawer, theoretically, I guess. They were buying things, infrastructure names. We talk about rising rates. I know, Mark, you and I have talked about your like of some of the financials, the PNCs, the truest, sort of the super regional banks, if you will. When we talk about interest rates rising, does that make you like those companies a little bit more? That's a great question. And it's a question of 
if it's a modest rate rise. Look, stocks have historically done well during low but rising rate environments. And I think this mere notion that rates are up, that's going bad. That's not true. It's when they skyrocket up or when they historically have gone up to a point where bonds or alternatives become attractive. The slope of the yield curve, the rising rates that both helps bank margins. And the names you mentioned, Truist was one, they benefited from the a recent merger. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. We had a, almost a standstill of bank mergers in 2020 because there was no visibility on earnings and there was gross uncertainty about what was really on these balance sheets. Now that their visibility on earnings and credit quality looks to be good, you're going to see a lot of banks marry up. They've got to reduce these expenses. They've got to compete with the mega banks, the online deposit machines that are growing. So I think the, the rate environment right now is is very strong for banks. And if we're going to talk about a movement into the value side, I think they're going to be a prime beneficiary. What about the payment companies? You know, we talk about the banks, but we look at it an economy. We, we did a story about Caesars. I, I predicted that Vegas would be sold out by Labor Day. Apparently, much of Vegas is already sold out. I mean, the consumer is back in a big way. They're going to swipe their visa. They're going to pay being PayPal. These are also names I know you've liked in the past. Do you continue to like them as the consumer is going to literally bust out like Cicada Brood X in about three weeks? Yes, I think that not only was the trend to cash going away, but certainly with touching things in this whole pandemic, cash and, and traditional exchanges of currency have evolved to electronic. Uh, PayPal's pulled back here. I look at that as an opportunity. I mean, it's, it's almost uh, in a bear market territory, and I hate to say that because it's a name we like, but you can see on the chart there that it has a sustained upward chart. It just creates a great opportunity now that a lot of the momentum has been taken off. Visa, MasterCard, I think they're going to be innovators. I know there's some new disruptive technology out there, but I think it's a few years away. And these payment stocks, I think, are poised to take advantage of a reopening and a new trend in the way consumers make purchases. Yeah, Vegas already in many ways sold out. You're going to swipe that card for the plane, for the casino, for the hotel, and for the restaurant out after you lose all your money. Mark Avalon, Potomac Wealth Advisors, good stuff on the bank stocks, the payment stocks. Mark, a real pleasure to have you on. Take care. Good to be here, Brian. All right, take care. All right, now let's get some of this morning's other top headlines and a bit of a sad story in Chicago for financial history. A CME says it will permanently close most of its trading pits in Chicago. Of course, the exchange already shutting a number of those pits in March of last year. Think about this. Some of those pits, we know, yes, displaced by technology and bits of relics, have been around since the 1800s. Also, SpaceX says it has received more than half a million pre-orders for its Starlink satellite internet service. The company began accepting $99 pre-orders for the service in early February. Responding to CNBC on the news of the pre-orders, Elon Musk tweeted that while Starlink is designed to reach any place on Earth, the only limitation in high-density areas is users in urban areas. And Net Nestle looking to offer you another alt-milk option for your morning coffee. The company is set to introduce a pea-based milk. That's P-E-A-based milk. 
like we had to tell you, called Wanda amid the growing market for dairy substitutes. It will initially only be available in France, the Netherlands, and Portugal. Apparently the pea milk capitals of the world. Who knew? On that note, we're just getting started. When we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, your morning's big money movers. And one stock proving to be a match with investors. Plus, the president of Sonic Automotive is here to tell us how the boom in used auto sales is benefiting his company's bottom line and whether people are starting to tune out of electric cars. What? And as we head to break, a look at some of the names in cloud computing hammered amid the big Tuesday sell-off. Datadog taking the biggest hit. It was down nearly 15%. It is unchanged right now. No rebound there. Fastly, a little bit. All those names got crushed yesterday. Dow Futures, though, rebounding a bit of 83. And we're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, welcome back. Time now for a check on some of this morning's big money movers. Three key stock stories you got to know about. Ready? Here we go. First up, Lyft. Shares getting a lift. Company posting a smaller than expected first quarter loss. Lyft saying it will deliver a profit on an adjusted basis, of course, in the third quarter. That's what it expects, a strong rebound in American travel. Lyft up 5%. Stock number two, Activision Blizzard. The video game maker's first quarter results easily beating forecast. Company raising its guidance for the year as well. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War sold more premium copies than expected. And Activision's mobile division, which includes Candy Crush, also performed better than is typical this time of the year. That stock up nearly 4%. And stock three is Match, the owner of Tinder and other dating apps, reporting better than expected first quarter earnings. Match is also projecting second quarter sales above estimates. Match's CEO saying, quote, for the number of people getting vaccinated, we can't help but be excited and looking forward to a summer of love. It certainly seems like it's going to be match of more than 6%. Investors loving that. Still on deck, a Wall Street debut with a little Hollywood star power attached. We're going to speak with one honest company investor about that company finally going public, honestly. We're back in a moment with Dow Futures up nearly 100. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? 
With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Today's RBI is doing the electric slide, at least when it comes to some car buyers. Because despite all you hear about everybody in America going green and buying electric cars, like so many things, the actual truth, you know, facts, a little more messy. And some people are actually going back to gas. Check this out. A study by the University of California, Davis, found that in a survey of nearly 2,000 electric or plug-in electric hybrid car owners in California, about 20% gave up on their vehicles and went back to gasoline-powered engines. The numbers were about the same for both hybrids or all-electric cars. The reasons for going back were a few. But the big reason, according to the study, was the time it takes to charge the car and accessing charging stations. Remember, many older electric cars have much shorter ranges than the newer cars, and they need to be charged more often. Car makers who are pushing for all electric will, of course, try to find some good news here. And there is a bit. A study found that about 65% of the households who gave up on their electric cars say they're likely to buy one again in the future, maybe when charging technology gets a little bit better. But also think about that stat in reverse. It also means that about a third of those who have given up on their electric cars and gone back to gas say they likely won't go back to electric. All very random, but interesting, and maybe a little scary for an auto industry that is telling everybody that it's electric and there's one way for the future, but car owners in California may disagree. Random, but hopefully interesting. Well, let's stay right there with cars because Sonic Automotive, easily topping expectations and first quarter results, which were out a few days ago, blowing past estimates as car sales boomed. The company is long-term very optimistic, saying it believes it can double its sales by 2025. That's only in four years. For more, let's bring in Jeff Dyke, president of Sonic Automotive. Jeff, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I love talking about cars. You're based down there in Charlotte. Uh, you know, I know you, you, you don't have a Tesla dealership. You have Tesla used cars. I looked it up. But you do have Audi. They've got the e-tron. Uh, are you seeing a huge consumer uptake in electric cars, or is gas for now still king? Hey, Brian, thanks for having us this morning. Yeah, you know, gas is king for now. Um, electric cars are just a small portion of the overall business. It's something that's fun for everybody to talk about. Um, Tesla certainly made a big splash in the industry. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're talking a small percentage of the overall business and you know, for the foreseeable future, uh, gas and in hybrid electric, I think, are, are the much bigger play versus all electric. America, um, you know, being electrified is not there yet. We don't have uh, charging stations all over the, the country. Um, so you, you have this sort of mileage issue in terms of how far the cars can go. Uh, and so we're not there yet. And we're years away from that. Uh, it, it gets big play in the media. Uh, but uh, like your segment said earlier, uh, we're a long way away from from electrifying America and everybody driving electric cars. Okay, because that this is huge. Let, let's be honest, Jeff. It, a car is likely the second most expensive thing besides a home that many people in America will buy. 
And there is a growing concern that if I were to go out and buy a new car or a new truck that's gas-powered, is it going to have any resale value, you know, in seven or eight or ten years if everybody shifts to electric? Well, because, by the way, that could disproportionately hurt those for whom the car is even more expensive. Give our, give our audience a little confidence that if they buy a new car today, you know, that gas-powered engine may still have some resale, you know, eight years from now. Oh, yeah. We're so far away from... from uh you know, everybody driving electric cars. That's uh, that, that, that the, the consumer should have a ton of confidence that when they buy a car, there's plenty of resale value two, three, four, five, six, seven years down the road. Um, we're just a long way away. Right now, you get out to California, there's a lot of problems just, um, you know, in the summertime, uh, electrifying the houses and keeping electricity going. So uh, we're just a long way away from that. Yeah. And certainly, as an auto retailer, uh, it's not something that I'm concerned about. Um, and when... Uh, uh, the manufacturers get it right, and we've got plenty of electric cars, and we've got stations to uh, charge the cars. Uh, then we'll start selling electric cars, and 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 we'll make that transition. But we're nowhere near uh, uh, that level yet, uh, and certainly not something that is on the horizon three, four, five years down the road. You know, your company is Sonic Automotive. Not to be mistaken with Sonic Burger; they're both great Sonics. But above <laughs> your head, on that thing behind you, Jeff, it says. Echo Park. I don't think that's an accident. I think you might have a smart PR person because Echo Park is your giant used car prototype. You want to open like 140 superstores, taking you know CarMax right to the chin. Uh, used car sales are they're out of control. It's if you can find a good used car, the prices are up there. Tell us about used cars. Any indication of a slowdown and why you're so aggressively building out that Echo Park model. Yeah, no, no slowdown at all. You know, for the last 20 years, 30 years, there's 43 to 45 million used cars sold in America each year. Uh, the business is on fire right now. We sold 57,000 cars at Echo Park in 2020. We'll do over 105,000 cars this year. By 25, we'll do over a half a million cars out of a 140-point distribution network. So Echo Park is on fire. It's really the growth engine within Sonic Automotive. Uh, and we couldn't be more excited about it. We had a fantastic first quarter with Echo Park, as you saw when we announced our numbers. Uh, the second quarter is starting off fantastic as well. It is going to be a great, great year for pre-owned. And 22 is setting up fantastic, too. So uh, we're very yeah. excited about the brand, very excited about where we're headed with Echo Park. Is that the model as far as buying cars online? I get it. Uh, I know people uh, asking for a friend. They've had problems buying cars online because maybe what you see is not what you get. That's your model have kind of a stripped-down center so you can buy online, but have an actual place with actual human beings where you can take it in for service or talk to them about the car or literally or proverbially kick the tires. Is that kind of the model? A hundred percent. It's a hybrid model, right? We want The customer wants to be able to do some things online, but not maybe the entire transaction. Um, and we're going to give them the option, and we do give them the option to do go as far as they want. But, but coming into the store is still critically important. It is the second most expensive thing that a consumer typically buys behind a home. They want to come into the store. They want to test drive the car. They want to compare it to other automobiles and then uh, leave with the vehicle. So uh, that's our model. We focus real, real heavy on a great experience, a real quality product. At Echo Park, we only sell one to four-year-old cars under 50,000 miles. And then we're $2,500 to $3,000 from a retail perspective under our competition. That is our model, and that's what's driving our success uh, at Echo Park today. Jeff Dyke, Sonic Automotive, and I guess we should say also Echo Park. Jeff Dyke, we appreciate you coming on, talking about car sales, which are still just on fuego. Jeff, thank you. Take care. Thanks for having us.
Oh, you're very welcome. All right, still on deck. One of my predictions for the year was that Las Vegas would be sold out by Labor Day. Boy, was I wrong. If you want to watch me eat crow, you will. Coming up next, and it has to do with Caesars, whose stock is up 7%. The stories go together. We'll tell you why. Dow futures up 95, by the way. Bitcoin up as well. Bit of a bounce back on this Wednesday. And we're back right after this. Big tech taking it on the chin in a big way as some of the biggest names got slammed on Tuesday. Wedbush's Joel Kalina is here to lay out if more trouble is ahead or you're buying on the weakness. Are you in a New York state of mind? Well, it's more like moving out. Call it the Billy Joel trade as the rich packed their bags up of money and hit the road for lower tax pastures. And remember the hottest stock in the world about 20 years ago? Well, if you don't, it was donut maker Krispy Kreme. And now it's back and looking to go public again. It is Wednesday, May 5th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Oh, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and happy 5th of May. Cinco de Mayo. Good to have you on the program this morning. And let's get right to it on a day after concerns about growth, Concerns about China and Taiwan, concerns about interest rates, sent stocks sinking in a big way, and none bigger than big tech. On Tuesday, the Nasdaq fell nearly 2%. The good news, that selling is not looking like it's continuing right now. Nasdaq futures are up 70, Dow futures up just about 100. Now, the stat of the day from Tuesday, and it's ugly, is the biggest of the big cap tech getting sold off in a big way. Look at these market cap losses. All right. Apple lost 78 billion yesterday. That's just yesterday. Amazon, 38 billion. Microsoft, 30 and a half billion. Google, 25 billion. Don't worry about the math. We did it for you. The total combined market cap loss of those big four, about 170 billion yesterday. Put that in perspective. That's bigger than Costco. And it's about 50% larger than the entire corporation of Starbucks in one day. Wow. We'll get more on this with Joel Kalina of Wedbush in a few minutes. Well, in the meantime, if we were going to play a Billy Joel song about this next segment, it would definitely not be New York State of Mind. It would be moving out. Because maybe even the great New York singer himself is thinking about it. Who knows? But as Robert Frank is here to tell us, there are a lot of really rich people in New York or other states like Connecticut, New Jersey, and others that are looking to do what that song says. Although I'm not sure that Anthony works at the grocery store saving his pennies for someday. But there is, Robert, I guess, a flight frenzy. Yeah, Brian, who needs a house in Hackensack when you can get a condo in Boca? That's a Billy Joel reference. Uh, A new survey showing a majority of ultra-wealthy plan to move to another state, many of them for tax reasons, the survey by Spectrum Group of People worth $25 million or more found that 53% said they are planning to change their state of legal residence. And the top reasons? Better climate and taxes. The number of millionaire movers has doubled since 2014. New York State just passed a $4 billion a year tax hike that could add further pressure 
New York lost a net 150,000 households to outmigration last year. That was more than any other state and double the previous year. That's according to U.S. Postal Service data. A recent study by a Fed economist, Stephen Whitaker, found that in most of the past decade, the flight from cities was from lower income neighborhoods. But in 2020, last year, that actually reversed with the largest flight from cities coming from the wealthiest neighborhoods. Now, despite the numbers and anecdotes of millionaires and billionaires moving to Florida, the tax rolls right now, at least for now, tell a slightly different story. Income tax revenues in New Jersey, California, Connecticut, all coming in stronger than expected, thanks to the wealthy and thanks to capital gains and this incredible stock market in New York State. Income tax collections came in $3 billion higher for the latest fiscal year. And Brian, you look at California, it's a, I, I think it's you know much larger, over $6 billion. So some of these states now running a surplus into their rainy day fund. So either the wealthy haven't left yet, but plan to formally declare their tax residency somewhere else, or that this stock market has just been so strong, at least for now, it's making up the difference from those wealthy people who have left. Well, so leaving when you're really rich is kind of a a theoretical exercise, right? Because you said for tax reasons. Is there any indication people are leaving for good, i.e. selling what they've got and heading away or keeping what they've got, but making sure that, you know, 50.1% of the time they are in Florida or somewhere else, but they still have a place in New York and New York will come back. Are they gone for good? Yeah, it's really hard to tell because, A, we don't have up-to-date numbers on how many people have changed the residence. And, B, if you look at things like the real estate market, like, as you just said, a lot of those guys, you know, when you have enough money to have three or four places, why bother selling your place in New York for now? Uh, Let's buy a place in Florida. Let's stay there for now. See where things go in terms of back to office, in terms of the economy, in terms of where your social network ends up. That's a big factor. And then see later. So I I think a lot of these people are still kind of in transition, Brian, figuring out where they're going to go. And that's why we haven't really seen it yet uh, on the tax rolls. Yeah, but we certainly might as well find out what happens. And hopefully some of them will hang out a little bit, at least, Robert, in New York, so we can get the restaurants back going. Even though 11 Madison Park, where I know used to go every day, is now vegan. I mean, things really are changing in New York, Robert. It's vegan. Yeah. No. Yep. All we need. All, right. all we need Frank now is people. Story there. All we need is people. That's well said. I think New York's going to come. Maybe not to the level it was, Robert, but it is coming back as well. But Love in Madison Park, one of the best, if not the best restaurant in the world going all vegan. All right. Robert, thank you. Let's get back now to the markets and get more on technology's big losses on Tuesday with Wedbush Securities head of technology and media trading, Joel Kalina. Joel, Good to have you back on. We, we talked about it. We showed it in, in the intro at the top of the hour. Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, uh, or an Amazon, losing $170 billion in combined market cap in one day. Yep. Who were the sellers and why were they selling? Yeah, I mean, you know, the reality is that tech problems, you know, really, you know, today aren't really much different than, than what's been plaguing the group all year. Uh, investor focus clearly has been shifting, you know, shifted since November 9th when we got those initial, you know, Pfizer vaccine headlines. But the issues for tech, they remain fading of COVID tailwinds, uh, 
high expectations and difficult comps in the quarters ahead, elevated multiples, and lastly, rising yields, which obviously members of the Fed and, and Yellen have made a lot more noise uh, in, in this week as well on that front in terms of where interest rates may be heading. So again, you got the four major issues that have been kind of the headwinds for the tech sector. They aren't going away. And I think uh, there's many, you know, not many, there's there's clearly an increasing camp that views that you know spectacular Q, Q1 results um, that we've been seeing are very unlikely to persist through the balance of the year. Hence, you know, EPS season has been a, a massive disappointment for the tech sector, uh, to say the least. Uh, you know, anything, you know, spectacular yeah. or blowout has been generally dismissed. And, and any company that's, you know, you know, missed, it's just been absolutely punished. So, you know, the tape has been telling us, you know, there's, there's money going into other pockets of, of, of the market. And, uh, and as you touched on earlier in your show, you know, look at the, the XLF breaking out the new highs. Energy uh, XLE feels like a coiled spring, uh, and, and material stocks continue to work as well. So we're seeing massive rotation, uh, which seems to be the number one driver yeah. of all these big moves. Amazing, right? I mean, oil prices on the rise. Uh, yep. Maybe energy is the new technology. I mean, Tom Lee and Fundstrat putting out their daily notes or nightly notes, which are excellent, by the way, and they're showing how money does appear to be flowing from Apple to oil and gas. I mean, is that possible do you think the long-term trade in these tech names joel which by the way have made a lot of our viewers and listeners a lot of money the last few years is it finally over for good the big i mean the big returns yeah i mean i mean maybe in the near term i mean tech is always going to remain the most overweight sector on a global basis it's still going to be the leader in terms of disruption and just kind of you know generating probably the most upside over a longer period of time but I mean, I think you take a step back. The Nasdaq has underperformed the S and P by by six hundred basis points this year, and yet is still uh, has has outperformed the S and P by fifteen percent off of March lows from twenty twenty. So I mean, the outperformance has still been there, and I think just with the the focus on vaccine progression, uh, GDP recovery, and overall just kind of uh, you know, like I said, global GDP recovery, that other sectors are becoming a lot more attractive, especially with the, the you know consensus with rates are now heading in the opposite direction. And we all know that low rates and a very accommodative, you know, Fed policy um, has, has been the number one driver of some of the, you know, the, the moves in tech over the past decade plus. Um, and you're just seeing a pause in that trade. But for the near term, yeah, tech probably underperforms. Um, but over the longer term, you're clearly not going to abandon it. It's just becoming a lesser part yeah. of a portfolio. Yeah, you know, Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan yesterday saying, you know, he's done with Zoom. I'm finished. He's, no more Zooms. He can't take it anymore. David Solomon at Goldman Sachs says, get back to the office. The point is this, is the work from home trade, work from home is probably coming to an end for much of our viewers. Is the work from home trade coming to an end or is it already over? I think I think it's already over. I mean, you know, these stocks are still yeah. well where their lowest levels from 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 just over a year ago. So, I mean, again, they produced outsized returns, to say the least. But, I mean, if you look at, you know, whether it's the Pelotons, the Zoom Media, you know, the DocuSigns, the Fastly you mentioned earlier as well, even like a name like PayPal. I mean, these stocks were huge, you know, secular winners yeah. from COVID. Uh, their stock prices reflected that. And now a lot of these charts just look absolutely broken. And I think you have to continue to keep an eye on on Kathy Wood and her ARC funds. Uh, ARC right now is trading around 114, 115, 30% off its highs. We know that, you know, her outside performance last year was all driven by disruptive tech. She, she was early on that that trend, yeah. but she's still adding to these losers on the way down. And to me, that's kind of a poster child for the 2020 story momentum stocks. 
they've clearly lost all momentum. And yet you're still seeing some investors kind of try to catch the falling knives and it's not working. So, um, you know, people are averaging down well, as their losses melt. And that usually is never, never a great strategy when the tape's telling you something different. Well, it's going to be spectacularly wrong or spectacularly right. And I know a lot of folks are being told by the end of this year, they'll be back in the office five days a week. Flexibility on Wall Street, uh, maybe not the most flexible of places. Joel Kalina Wedbush laying out the terrible tech trade on Tuesday. Joel, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Maybe oil and gas is the new <laughs> Apple and Amazon. Who knows? All right, let's hit some of the other big headlines happening right now. The judge in the Apple Epic Games trial pressing the Fortnite maker over its demand for changes regarding Apple's App Store. During yesterday's proceedings, <clears throat> the judge asking Epic CEO Tim Sweeney how his call for Apple to allow users to put third-party software onto their phones and ease its in-payment app rules would impact the livelihoods of developers who make software for Apple devices. Sweeney telling the judge he could not lay out that potential impact. Vegas sold out by Labor Day. That was one of my 2021 predictions. Boy, was I wrong. Shares of Caesars up nearly 7% right now. The company's saying on its earnings call that weekends in Las Vegas are pretty much sold out for the foreseeable future. It's the first weekend of May. Wow. And Krispy Kreme looking to go public again. The donut chain revealing it is filed with regulators for an IPO. Company first went public in 2000, but then had to file for Chapter 11 and was bought by JAB Holdings for $1.5 billion in 2016. If you weren't around then, folks, trust me, Krispy Kreme was maybe the Dogecoin of its day. It was literally the trader's favorite stock before going completely bust. All right, on deck, the president laying out a new vaccination goal, but is it way too conservative? We'll lay it out for you. Dow futures up 80. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. It is time now for your daily COVID vaccination update. 318 million doses have been delivered in America. About 247 million of those have been administered. Almost 148 million people have received at least one dose. Of that, 106 million are now fully vaccinated, about one in three. It also means that about 40% of people over 18 are fully vaccinated, and 56% have received at least one shot. Now, all this comes as President Biden has outlined some new goals to deliver at least one dose of the vaccine to 70% of American adults by July 4th. But based on current trends, that goal may be very conservative. In fact, at the current pace, could be liable we get 70% of American adults with at least one dose by the first week of June, if not late May, unless we see a huge drop-off in that pace. Always set goals you can hit. Well, the Honest Company begins trading today under the ticker HNST. Honest. The consumer goods company priced the IPO at 16 bucks a share within its expected range. That values Honest at about $1.5 billion. It was founded by the actress Jessica Albo and is going public in an already busy IPO market this year. Let's bring in Neil Sequeira, co-founder and partner at Defy Investments. Neil led the Series A round in the Honest Company and formerly served on the company's board of directors. Neil, pleasure to have you on. Uh, why now? Why is it the time for the Honest Company to finally hit the public markets? Well, in, in the honest company is hitting on so many things that are important 
to um, what people want to care about today. Clean, treating employees and people right, and being one of those one-of-one companies that actually cares about the what's happening in the world today. Does that make it a good stock, Neil? Those are good things, but is it a good <laughs> investment? It is absolutely good investment. Um, it's a special company that continues to grow, and um, there's no doubt that there's actually so much headroom here for this particular company. Look, I'm not on the board anymore, so I can say I think there's there's a special company that here that means something to people. And I think we're, yeah, we're forgetting but, but is talk to us that about Neil, the, the history. Obviously, honest. Hold, I'm sorry to interrupt. Honest has got a lot of attention because of obviously Jessica Alba, very bold faced name there and the founder. But it's kind of had its ups and downs with regards to the public markets. Take us through that history and anybody that might be a little bit concerned about the investments, ease those concerns. Yeah. So a little bit of the history is that like the first three investors, Jeremy Liu, Eric Liao, and myself, all have kids at the time when we first made the investment. And I think it's one of those companies where people actually care about um, what they're investing in. And that's why Honest is such a special business. Um, they, we had a little bit of a problem uh, five years ago with um, some sunscreen um, because people thought that uh, it was... Uh, it was not where it should be, but that that actually has all been resolved. Now it's uh, Nick is CEO, and he's a great CEO, and we're lucky to have him. Neil Sakara of the Honest Company. It's trading debut HNST about one point four billion in valuation. Neil, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and good luck. By the way. Neil, if you're out there, thank you. By the way, the founders will be on Squawk later on today. All right, on deck, Veritas Financial's Greg Branch is here to lay out the names he likes, including in big technology. Buy low, right? And a reminder, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms. We're back after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. We got Dow futures up about 80 points right now. So it looks like the sell-off may not continue, at least right now. NASDAQ futures up 67. Your next guest says there are some tailwinds, tailwinds, not headwinds, still in play. And that's why he believes we could have a powerful rally in the back half of the year. Good news for some. Greg Branch is founder, managing partner, Veritas Financial. And he joins us now. Uh, Greg, I, you know, it's going to be comforting to a lot of our viewers because yesterday, listen, was a pretty... We showed it. $78 billion market cap loss for Apple alone in one day. Yesterday kind of felt a little differently. Are you a buyer on any of this weakness? So I think three things are emerging crystal clear uh, from the last couple of weeks of earnings reports. Uh, Number one, uh, inflation is certainly rearing its head. We've, uh, on, in, in many of these earnings reports, we're having uh, heads of companies talk about the significant inflationary pressures building at all levels. Number two, there is a powerful back half earnings surprise and upward revision story. Look at the magnitude and the sheer number of beats that we're experiencing in this quarter. Consensus is still way too low. 
many of the estimates that we're looking at, particularly for the back half of the year, are at 60 and 70 percent pre-COVID levels. We've moved up the vaccination curve sooner than expected, and the economy is rebounding much more quickly than expected. Now, the third is more of a warning sign that we will have volatility over the next few months. That inflation that's spiking, we saw yesterday with Treasury Secretary Yellen, even though she tried to walk it back, that is a change in posture, the immediacy of the need or, or the threat to raise rates. And as we know, when we start to raise rates and we push those yields, that provides a headwind to tech and growth. And we might see some retrenchment of some of those traditional pools of money migrate back down the risk curve, which would pre- present some near-term volatility. But yes, the back half earnings surprise, earnings revision story is intact. But is that Greg priced in? I guess that's the question. Completely agree about this economic boom. The question is, is the economic boom already reflected in the earnings which have been pulled forward? I don't believe so. So what we saw happen hmm. from October or, or you know, even going back as far as pre-election until now is we saw multiple correction. We saw entire sectors that were trading at multiples that were historic lows. And so the trade from then to now was about making up ground on the multiples. What I'm expecting in the back half, while we're now at historic multiples, is that the earnings is wrong. And as the earnings accelerate, And as the earnings number get adjusted to what they should be, we can keep the multiples where they are and still see performance. So, no, I don't believe it's priced in, particularly when you talk about specific stories that have unique unique tailwinds. Where is their value, Greg? Leave us with some opportunities. Absolutely. So if we are going to have a rising rate environment, obviously the financials is opportune. Uh, We saw with some of the results already that investment banking and capital markets has been robust, where we saw, for example, at J.P. Morgan, where it was 50 percent plus in those divisions. But but an improving net interest margin environment lifts all boats to some degree. I'd still favor those large diversified names who have proven that those other businesses are drivers. Uh, I'd look at the value shopping sector. Uh, not all of this high savings rate we saw was equally distributed across all socioeconomic groups. So I'd look at that value shopping center, sector, particularly those who have been investing and will yield from their investments in e-retail, which gained massive share throughout the year. That's what differentiates <clears throat> the Walmarts and Targets of the world from the TJ Maxx's and the Rosses of the world. And even in technology, where we expected there to be a pullback in some of those tailwinds we saw last year, we're actually seeing acceleration in the digital transformation of the economy, etc. Greg Branch, Veritas Financial, laying it out there on the opportunities in a rising rate environment. Greg, a pleasure to have you on. Have an awesome day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah. All right. Well, you're very welcome. All right, and like that, folks, the show goes by, boom, and we're leaving you with Dow futures that are up 90 points, NASDAQ futures higher as well, meaning the cryptos are up, squawking the gang, talking all about Dogecoin, no doubt, for the next couple hours. We'll see you right around this curve. Take care. See you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.